Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where someone is going to die in this episode, which that makes me nervous because I didn't actually write that tagline today, so I hope it's not me. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. And I did write this tagline today, and I still hope it's not me. <laughs> today we're talking about Game of Thrones, where, you know, lots of people die. So we're on All point there. We're mostly wanting to talk about, like, the books to show adaptation. Um, Season 6 just launched, just released, I should say, this last Sunday. So we're not really going to get into spoiler territory. If we do talk about the Season 6 premiere, it will be at the end and we will give you forewarning. But we're mostly talking Season 1 through 5 and kind of the overall series up to this point. So, Bij, you've read some of the books. Have you read all of the books? I've read half of the first book. I am, I know what goes on. I have a lot of conversations with my friends who have read all of them, but I have not actually. I'm, uh, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail about it because I really despise the way that they're written and I'm really snotty about it. I'm like, he's a terrible writer. He's a good storyteller, but he's kind of a terrible writer and the English teacher in me wants to, um, destroy him really hard like not 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 editing wise but he's so it's so high fantasy and it takes itself so seriously i have a really hard time reading it actually so what about it do you not like because i've read all of the books and i didn't i didn't love book four and five i actually have a lot of issues with those two but i thought books one through three i actually enjoyed a lot it is more his writing style than anything else. I started reading the first one after I'd seen the first series of the TV show. So I knew the story. I knew how invested that I was I was in these characters in this story. And I opened the book and I start reading it. And he spells Sir S-E-R. And I immediately drop completely out of the world. I look at him like, this guy's trying too hard. He is trying way too hard to be a fantasy writer and prove that he is the most fantasy of all the fantasists who have ever fantasied a fantasy. And I'm like, oh... I'm not going to like this at all. And it's just the way that he writes. It's the it's his wording choices. It's how florid he is. It is just honestly the way that he puts words together that it is so it feels almost self-indulgent. And I don't particularly like literature that the author feels self-indulgent. Okay, but you do like the show. I mean, not to bash on everything too much out of the gate. You like the show, right? Oh, right, I mean, right, right. You, right. Oh, yeah. Up. Oh, yeah, I'm caught up. I love the show. I love the characters. I love the story. I think George Martin is a magnificent storyteller. I just don't particularly like his writing style. Okay, and I think the show is a better version of the story, and I'm glad that I have read the book so I have the context for it. Okay. But I think... I don't think I'm ever going to go back and reread any of the books, whereas I will rewatch the show when it's all done. You know, I I like the story of the show better overall. Is there a reason for that? Because a couple of people I ended up talking to were more irritated at the show because it, it has because of the nature of adaptation, it has to leave stuff out and it has to combine so much stuff that they like the story of the books better simply because it's more detailed and just way more of a fleshed out world. So the books have way too many POV characters for me. And Mm -hmm. they have a serious pacing problem as soon as you get to book four, Um, book one, two and three. If if you don't mind the writing style, which I know you said that drove you away right away. The pacing of book one, two and three is actually 
pretty good. And when you get to book three, it's fantastic because book three has tons of payoff for all the story setup. After book three, it feels like he was in need of a really good editor to tell him no. And he just didn't oh, okay. have it. Like book four adds so many new point of view characters. It adds this whole thing with the Iron Islands that hasn't even been in the show yet. And I felt like like I know a bunch of people that gave up in the middle of book four because they keep adding these Greyjoys in that you've never heard of before and you never had any investment in. And it takes a long time to get back to the characters you care about. And half of the characters that you care about from the first three books aren't even in book four because book four and five take place at the same time just in different parts of the world so he actually split all of his characters up between book four and five i don't know if you knew that yeah i did uh austin was telling me about that recently when he finished up whatever was it winds of winter that was the newest one i can't remember what the fifth one was actually called five Uh, is was that Dance with Dragons. That's Dance with Dragons. So Winds of Winter is the one that's coming out soon-ish. Um, yeah, he was telling me about that you'd finally get back to certain characters that weren't going, that weren't in the fourth book, but it everything, but you knew what was going to happen. So parts of it just felt kind of just, yeah, mispa- mispaced, I guess. So I don't know. Like I said, I haven't read it. So that one I can't actually speak to. The, the pacing is really what drove me off from it. And I actually could not finish reading book four and five. I had to pick them up as audiobooks so that I could do it. Like I could listen to them and get the story while I was doing something else because reading them was actually infuriating me because they were so slow and they were so poorly paced. But I wanted to know what happened to these characters because I was so invested in the story. Do you know who did the who did the um, narration on the audiobooks? Because that's a big thing for me that puts me off of some audiobooks that I really want to get into, like the Wheel of Time books, but I can't stand one of the narrators. See, I didn't actually like this narrator that much either, but I was uh, I was determined at that point. I'd already bought book four and five and I had bought audiobook for four and five. So I just listened okay. anyway, but it wasn't a narrator that I particularly liked. All that being said, I really like the show and I love the show. I think the adaptation from book to show has been fantastic. And honestly, I think it's one of the better adaptations out there in terms of getting the story across with, and I think the medium of television along with being on a network that allows them to really maintain the atmosphere of the books really helps a lot that you can't do that a lot in some film. That if this were a series of seven movies, let's say, if these were the Harry Potter movies, then with all of the problems that people have with adaptation for those, given the change in directors, and and just the nature of the medium again. I think that this is the best that you're going to be able to do as an adaptation because you have to be able to cut and combine things but still be able to establish the world building that you need and and it's just it's just phenomenally well done and well cast and well costumed and the set design just everything about it feels like Game of Thrones and feels like the song of Ice and Fire or Fire and Ice and I don't ever remember which one it oh, is. Oh man, you're going to get so much hate mail for that. I know I am. I, did, I As soon as it left my mouth, I was like, people are going to start hating me as a human being because of this. Yep. Oh man, that's okay. That's okay. I really like the adaptation altogether and I think the showrunners 
are really trying to stay true to the story because they know more of the story than any of us, except for yes. George R. R. Martin. I mean, he's the only one who really knows more of the story than the showrunners. Like they've known from the beginning, from day one, when they started season one, where it was going to end up at the end of the last season, whatever season that may be. Yes. So I know that they cut out storylines and I know that they've combined characters or cut out characters or done a lot of editing but I'm willing to trust them because they seem to have been doing really, really good with the show and they know where it's going and we don't. Yeah, and I'm completely cool with that. I like that. And I'm actually really looking forward to how it diverges from the books that I really hope that the I'm, I want it to diverge from the books because the idea of having two parallel canonical narratives that are approved by the creator like this the idea of that completely and totally ju- just excites me as 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 a storyteller that it's something that you don't get you get video games that have alternate endings but only one of them can count for the sequel and that's how they continue along the story but and you have MMOs where you play different paths and things like this but this is something like almost in my opinion where it feels like the Star Wars EU gets its own you know its own series of merchandise and and tv shows and stuff and then the 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 regular lucasfilm ones get their theirs as well that that's what this feels like to me that they're going to be two completely separate entities based on the same intellectual property and both of them are exactly as real and authentic as the other and i love that if that makes sense absolutely it does make sense. And, you know, I know already for me that the show is going to be the definitive version of the story for me. But yes. I also know at the same time that the books are going to be the definitive version for many other people. And I'm fine with that. Like, yep. I know there's all of this. I don't know. There's hate or animosity or just like all this kind of back and forth between book readers and show watchers. But so many people are doing both. Like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. And I don't see why people have so much hate between the two of them. Yeah. I don't either. Especially now that we've caught up. Where we are right now, the beginning of season six, the books and the show are basically in the same place. There might be a few small storylines from the books that haven't actually gotten picked up by the show, and I don't know if they're going to be cut or if they're going to get back to them in like a different order, but we're mostly caught up. And in some places, am I wrong in that season six is further along? Like it actually has already done things that are not in the books at all. That, that has yes. moved the story beyond where it is. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So besides one storyline from book four um, and in the Iron Islands, I'm not sure if that's going to come back into play or not. Um, besides that, all of the other characters and all the other storylines are ahead of the books, actually. Okay, that makes sense. Good. Yay. Yeah, so at this point, the, the show is ahead, um, unless they come back around to that one, which they might. That might actually happen this season. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess it depends how important it is to the storyline, which, again, the showrunners know better than us at this point, the things that matter and the things that don't. And that they take them apart when they don't. I mean, they, or they combine them like they did last season with things with Sansa scenes that and storyline where they combined what happened to a different character in her and got a lot of flack for it. But they know how to at least put things together to get the same emotional impact out of people. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, like... Book one to season one was a pretty direct translation. I mean, I know it's still an adaption, but they were very, very close to the same. There's not a whole lot of differences there. Season two and book two are where they start making their edits. They start combining characters. They start cutting storylines or 
like changing them around a little bit to better fit the show format. That's the point where I knew that the show was going to be the version for me in the end was when they started making edits and I was agreeing with the edits they were making. What was one of the or at least a couple, maybe just examples of the edits that they made that sold you on the show? Because for me, having never seen any of it before, season one got me, you know, I was hooked from that point on. But I only knew the edits later when I talked to people that that was people like, oh, that's not what was happening in the book at this point. So what was it that made you like the show and and that be your version of it, having already read the books? So I don't remember exactly because it's been years now, like literally years. But the situation was I had just read book two for the first time because I came to Game of Thrones very late, like right around the time the show was starting. Um, right. Okay. So I read book two and then like the week after I read book two, season two started. So it was super fresh in my mind. And every time they made a change, I noticed it and I agreed with it. I was like, oh, Hmm. I see why they're doing this for TV, especially as someone who did video professionally for so long. Like, I see why they made this edit. I see why they combined these characters. I see why they cut this storyline. And I agree with it. I think this is a better version of the story. And I think that hits at the heart of the entire issue is that you said because you have a back that you have your background in video. And I have that background in narrative uh, with, you know, I'm an English teacher. And so I've studied storytelling for so long. And my favorite class in grad school was called literary film adaptation. And I loved this class. Just I fell in love with the idea of adaptation in this class because it was the first time I'd ever looked at it with a critical eye. And I, before this, was the kind of person that if you cut something out of your movie or your your TV show adaptation, you were an evil, horrible human being and deserved to be dragged out into the street and just punched in the throat until... Just, just punched in the throat, pretty much. And I could not... I could not... St- that kind of thing. Then I get into this class and I look and and like you said, because of, of, you know, learning what I learned there, I look at these shows. I'm like, oh, yeah, you have to do that for TV. You have to make these choices for storytelling. There is no physical way to put this on film and have it make sense that a lot of people don't have that kind of I'm not saying I'm not talking down to anyone who doesn't. But having a background where you're required to look at it that way makes it much easier to accept those kinds of changes, I think. Yeah, I bet that's a big part of it is my background. And it's also probably a big part of why I have issues with pacing in a ton of media. If a pace isn't set fast enough for me, I get bored in all sorts of things. And that's a bigger topic that we might talk about another day. But I'm pretty sure that stems from me being a professional video editor and having to cut everything down to its shortest like core for such a long time. I can't stand when there's filler now. And same for me when I see some TV show like this where they're making edits and combining. I'm like, yeah, but these two characters are essentially doing the same thing in the book it's just that you know it they're 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 serving different functions in this area and this other character can do that because he's standing over there why hire two actors to do it when you can do it for one i mean it's a business decision and you have to look at everything all together and if you've never thought about things in that way before of course you're going to get mad they cut out one of your favorite characters but when you can look at it from a business perspective like yeah that makes sense i see it or from a you know a filming perspective i have 45 minutes to get this show in i can't have an extra six minutes of this other character who's saying three lines yeah and i really like Like I said, I like the edits they've been doing, and it's kind of interesting how they've done it because, like I said, season two, which is a direct correlation to book two, is where I started noticing it. But then what they did with book three is that book one and two 
build up a lot of things and you get a little bit of payoff at the end of each one but really book one mm -hmm. and two are building up to book three and book three has all of these things that are fallout from book one and two so one and two build up to three three has a ton of stuff going on and when season three of the show was coming out i had no idea how they could possibly fit everything in book three into season three and they didn't they made it into two seasons. So they took yeah. a book and they actually stretched it out across two separate seasons to hit all of the points. And it was such a good decision. I love season three and four. They're great. Yeah, they were just absolutely fantastically put together. Uh, even the things that I didn't like about seasons three and four, which... which honestly for the most part wasn't very much came down to just personal preference on who was on screen at the time and which storyline i wanted them to get back to yeah and i mean there's a bunch of torture scenes that really weren't necessary but besides that i like yeah. season three and four that's true yeah but then they kind of did the opposite with season five last year they took book four and five which were the books that i really did not like the pacing of and they squished them together into one season and just got through it. And that may be why they did it is because they're kind of universally reviled that they're, a lot of people hate them for different reasons. And the pacing is part of it. Get through it. You have to hit the high points and just make sure you get to the to the good part that you know is coming. That there are those those midseason lulls and and. They just powered through it and got got to the point where we needed to be. And I lost interest in season four and season five. I mean, I didn't watch the last two episodes of the entire season until was it three days ago? Maybe it was Monday night. Uh, yeah, we're yeah, I did I that on YouTube before doing this podcast. Yeah, yeah, because I got so bored during season five with all the things that were going on. Even though I legitimately cared about these characters, I didn't care enough to spend two more hours of my life just wading through this stuff. And then I watched them. I was like, oh, yeah, this you were right. This is where this season picks up. But I I just got bored and I couldn't take it. Kind of like you uh, switching to audiobooks. I just I just stopped. And that tells me that if you had read book one, two and three, there is no way you would ever have gotten through book four and five. It's just there's no way. No, there's no way. And I bet that's one of the reasons that I appreciated the last season where a lot of show watchers didn't. And I, I know a lot of people have complained about season five of the show being slow and boring. I thought season five was amazing because the showrunners managed to take two entire books that are bigger than any of the other books and shove them into one season and just get it done with like it, it blew me away i was like oh my god this is fantastic i can't believe they did this they actually got through it and at the same time they made it make sense that they were able to condense it in such a way that it still maintained cohesion and the narrative itself still made sense which is in terms of adaptation is a very hard task to do boiling things down to its constituent parts and putting it together in a way that doesn't feel like you're watching the end game movie or age of ultron you have to make sure that or batman versus superman where it's just a bunch of scenes that are strung together for no real reason they still connected things they still had that that idea of how things fit together and interact with each other they just did it in the most concise way possible which george martin obviously wasn't able to do with the books because they get so much uh i don't even know the word they just get so much hate i guess I liked that season five still had a narrative arc to it and you got some payoff at the end of the season. 
I just wish they had been able to take the payoff and move it a little. They had so much of it in the last two episodes. If they had been the able to put three. anything. See, I didn't even feel it with the third. The third one, I didn't. I don't remember it that well, but I remember just being, eh, that was another episode. I think I'm done with this season for a while and just never picking it up. I need to go back and rewatch the se- episode that surprises seven. That me. Oh. Uh, well, yeah, that's that's Hard Home. That's the one with the giant battle uh-huh. for the season with all the special effects budget. Yep. You gave up after watching that one. Yeah, watching that battle, though, was interesting, but I didn't care about any of it. That was one of those things. I don't like Jon Snow. I never liked his character. I don't like Kit Harington. I don't like the actor. I So pretty much that entire part of it was... Okay, we're watching a zombie fight scene. This is really cool, but I have no emotional investment in this. I wish Jon Snow would die right here, but I know he's not going to. And that was how I felt about that entire battle. And I realized saying that again, I'm waiting on the hate mail to start rolling in for that because I hate Jon Snow and Kit Harrington. Well, you know what? I I, I like Jon Snow, but the thing that's interesting is that like everybody seems to have different characters that they latch on to. So even though yeah. you hate him, I like him, but I'm sure there are other characters that you just love and you want to see the next thing that's going to happen with them. I do. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point, like, I'm I'm wondering if book four and five are really a big setup for payoff in book six, which would be season six where we are now. Right. So I'm really hoping that all of the buildup from last season is going to have a lot more payoffs throughout this season spaced out in a better way. I really hope so. Based on the way that the first episode was set up, I can see it being that way because it was very much a set up episode for what's coming next that I think that they're kind of doing the mini version of what they did in the last season of just putting things together. And then we're going to get our individual episodes that go and finish out the arc over the course of the season with the big payoffs. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, we we've only had the premiere of season six, which is always kind of like getting back into it, picking up the storylines again. So we'll see after a couple episodes how it feels now that we're beyond the books. They don't have books as source material anymore. They're, I mean, they're probably just writing the scripts from the story beats, you know? I I would assume. I guess they might have an advanced copy of, like, Winds of Winter, but who knows? I mean, he might not share that with anybody. They might be going purely off of their story beat notes at this point. Like, this is uncharted territory, but it's kind of cool. I like it. I like it, too. I'm, I'm really excited to see where this goes because it's the first time in, as far as I know, television history that this has happened. This is the first time that we have had the adaptation move so far ahead of the source material that it's setting a precedent for how it can be done. That if this doesn't work out, then future adaptations are are going to be able to do it differently and do it better and learn from the mistake that this one had by doing this. If this is a mistake, which we can't say it is until it ends at the end of season seven. At this point, the source material is never going to catch up to the show. They've said that right. based on the story beats they have, based on the story they are telling in the show, they think that there are at most two more seasons and they would end it at season eight. And they're even talking about making those seasons less episodes. They're saying that they might do um, season seven and eight as only like eight episodes or seven episodes each. Oh, I did not read that. That's terribly interesting that they would do that. Will HBO allow them to do that? That's the bigger question is whether they can get away with it and whether their contracts will allow it for future seasons. Yeah, we'll see what happens. That'll be interesting because I hadn't read that. they. I knew that they were wanting to do through season seven or eight, but I did not know that they were trying to do it with, with fewer episodes. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, they said that they might do seven or eight episode seasons, or they might try to do like one more full season, 
and then with season eight, do something really special, like take the same amount of budget and do half the amount of episodes. I, I really wonder right. what that would look like, you know, to like that would finish be really it cool. off with a huge budget for a small number of episodes. Almost like they would be doing a mini series to Almost. cap it off. The opposite of Battlestar Galactica. Now that <laughs> would be cool. Yes. So at this point, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to get into season six, like episode one spoilers. Those are, you know, people will watch it. I don't yes. want to ruin it for anyone. But as far as like the characters in the overall story, what characters do you want to see make it to the end? I know for me, I really want Tyrion and Sansa to be standing at the end of the show. I want them to make it to the end right. alive. And then I want Arya to get her revenge. And if she gets her revenge, but she dies in the process of getting it, I'll be okay. As long as she gets to clear her list and kill everybody on it. <laughs> and, right. And then okay. for me, the only other one that I, I'm really like, where is this going to end up is Jamie. Like Jamie can die before the end if he gets a really satisfying story arc but he's the character that's kind of changed the most over the course of the show like people hated him and then you kind of grow to love him and he has his own honor mm -hmm. in a way that's different from everyone else i just want to see where he ends up if he gets a full story arc i'll be okay if he dies okay for me like everybody else in the world i love Tyrion. everybody wants Tyrion to be alive at the end and it's kind of the cash cow like everybody adores him like you i want him to last to the end i don't think there needs to be a lot you know there's no reason he's fantastic um i want daenerys to be i want daenerys to to get the iron throne again at the very end of it more than anything else i want to see her come back and ride a dragon and do exactly like her ancestors did and win back the seven kingdoms uh, with Tyrion as being, you know, the hand or something like that or the king and have Sir Jorah with her. I love Jorah Mormont. I love him so much. I love the actor. I love the character. I I was I'm so glad that that he is a character in this show that I get to watch him. I want him to be alive at the end of it and at the end of season five with everything he was doing, getting it going into the fighting pits. I'm like, I just want to see it. Like, that's the kind of thing I just like watching him. I lost a lot of interest in a lot of the other characters, you know, like Bran Stark and, you know, the, uh, the missing star Rickon, uh, Baby I don't Stark? care. You don't care about Baby Stark. I don't know if, I don't think anybody cares about Baby Stark. Poor Rickon. Uh, I don't there, the Baby Stark can be like, I don't know. That's very morbid. And I'm not going to finish that thought. Um, but but baby start. <laughs> no, don't don't care at all. Uh, I exactly like you. You and I are on the same page on that. I expect Arya to die. I expect her to finish her list, and I expect her to die while the last one is dying or something like that, so that she'll see that person die and then uh, die herself. And I think it's going to be a cliche, but I think that's what kind of drives this kind of high fantasy narrative. And I really hope Jamie and Cersei get to be together. I know that's super weird, but I really, I really kind of just want those two to be happy because they have so much stuff go on to them. I honestly just want them to be happy. They're in love. They care about each other and their family. Just let them have it. They've had really bad lives. That's an interesting thought. Like, uh, yeah, that's they could end up together I, I guess i hadn't thought about that as a possible ending but it's very real possibility huh we'll have to see how that one plays out because i don't i don't buy into it as a romance i don't buy it into it as i don't particularly like watching them as a couple on tv but as far as people in this world i want to see jamie and cersei together because they honestly truly love each other except for that weird scene from last season we don't talk about but 
that wasn't in the book. So, so we'll go with that one. And, uh, but, uh, I, I do, I want them to be together because I like them as people and want them to be together. Except that's weird for me to say Cersei. I like her as people because she's terrible. And also the dude they cast is Braun. Uh, Jamie's uh, the cell sword who is with Jamie and Dorne. I love him. I want him to live. I want him to get everything that's happy in his life. If he's if he gets to be the king of Westeros, I will be okay with that because he is the most fun person in the entire cast to watch, and they need to bring him back for more. I love him. Braun is great. Can I retroactively add Braun to my list? Yes. Because he has to live to the end, and the more people rooting for him, the more likely it will happen. Or actually, no, you can't, because the more people who like him, the more likely Martin will kill him. So no, no, you can't. Oh, that's sad. Love kills people. Wow, and on that happy thought, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, we're actually a little bit uh, early on time, so I thought we might be just talking about the adaptation without getting too deep into it, so I have a bonus question for you. Okay, I'm, I'm terrified. You are almost to your summer break. Because you're a teacher yes. and you still get those, and I'm jealous of you. Is there? I know any... and they're lovely. Oh, I'm. Oh, it's not fair. So I know you have a lot of side projects that you're going to dive into, uh-huh. and you are going to work a bunch on your own stuff over the summer. But are there any right. games that you're exceptionally excited to get into that you've held off until you could really dive in over the summer? Uh, I'm going to be buying Lego Force Awakens whenever it comes out. That one's going to be crazy. But honestly, Overwatch, I'm going to play so much Overwatch, it's not even funny. That that's the one that I'm looking forward to more than anything else. And Overwatch will, will destroy my life. Lego Force Awakens will get me. And then, uh, honestly, if the last couple of days are any indication, Heroes of the Storm. So I have to take back what I said about hating it uh, last last podcast. Because after the last week of me playing it and learning that the support characters are super fun, I'll probably be playing Heroes of the Storm quite a bit. Cool. No, I'm glad that you have games lined up. I, I want to hear what you think about them after you actually get a chance to start enjoying your summer. I think that Overwatch is going to be the biggest of any of them. It is. I'm so excited for it. I can't even talk. I, I recruited somebody else to it today. That one's going to take more of my time than anything. And I'm going to have to actually schedule out time to play games between projects or maybe projects between playing games so I can get things done other than just running around and healing people as mercy. <laughs> we'll see how it plays out. I know we want to do an episode on it after we both get some hands-on time. But I think that's right. it for our main topic this week. Um, let's get on to our weekly geekery. I have right. two things that are kind of one thing. So I picked up Star Fox Zero last week when it came out. and I'm so sorry. The single player is so disappointing. Like, I hate what they've done with the motion controls being required. So, like, I wanted my standard Star Fox controls and the motion controls... Uh, the single player game really kind of broke my heart, but, but the silver lining here, there's a co-op mode and I didn't hear about this in any review. I don't know if any of the reviewers out there actually played it. I didn't see it until after I had given up on the main campaign and I just kind of like told my kids, okay, you can play it now. Cause I didn't have to worry about them <laughs> messing with my save file. And it only took like two days. It's Star Fox, you know, you play through to yeah. as close as you can get to the end and then whatever. And as they were going back and they could, you know, choose whatever level they wanted, there was an option on every single level to do it as a co-op. And I was like, hey, fire that up. Let me see. And the co-op mode gives one player 
like the Wii U Pro controller, which to the rest of the world is a normal controller, you know, the one that looks the most like an Xbox or PlayStation control, gives one player that. That player is standard Star Fox controls. And then the other player is like a bonus gunner built into the ship who only has motion controls and the ability to shoot. It is amazing. So I'm assuming you grab the Pro controller, let one of the kiddos blow things up. Yep, yep, that's exactly what I did. Give them the control where they can just like swing it around wildly and shoot at guys, and I get my standard Star Fox yep. controls back, and it's that is the way to play Star Fox Zero. So if you've heard bad things, but you have a second player, I highly recommend trying the co-op in Star Fox Zero, not the single player. Did that particular uh, setting save the game for you? Did, or was that a, uh, you know, save kind of a saving grace where like, yeah, I'm going to play way more of this now that the co-op is available? Or did you pretty much just not really enough to keep you playing through and beating it? Uh, no, it w- it was enough that I'm going to go back now. I'm going to play co-op with my kids and I'm going to play co-op with my brother for sure. Okay. Next time he's over. I mean, my brother and I, I'm sure we will just blast through the campaign and co-op and have a great time. That would have been enough saving grace, I think. But the other thing that I got out of it is that there's a pack in game with Star Fox Zero called Star Fox Guard. And it's one yeah. of the best uses of the motion controls or not the motion controls it's one of the best uses of like the wii u gamepad that they've ever had in any of their games it's basically tower defense and you have a map of the facility you're defending on your gamepad and you have like numbers of cameras and you can tap on the number of the camera to jump to it and then you control that camera with normal dual analog stick aiming and shooting and you're trying to defend against waves of creeps that are coming And on your main TV, you have basically like a security camera feed from all of the different cameras individually with numbers on them as labels. So in my household, this quickly became a co-op game, even though one person (laughs) is on the controller. (laughs) Only one person has a controller, but my kids sitting there and my wife sitting on the couch, they're all watching the security cameras on the TV yelling at me about, oh, go to one, go to one, go to 12, go to 12, like telling me where the enemies are that are closest to the center of my base that I have to destroy. And it's amazing. We've had such a good time with Star Fox Guard. And the cool thing about Guard is that you can pick it up on its own on the eShop for like 15 bucks. So if you don't okay. think that you're ever going to have a chance to play Star Fox Zero co-op, just skip it and go Star Fox Guard instead. That sounds really awesome. Multiplayer stuff like that sounds amazing. Just that that that's why I like Nintendo games is the the unexpected part of the community that, that's brought in regardless. Like it's always like that. I love it. Yeah, I love Nintendo too. I know we'll do a Nintendo podcast one of these days. How about you? What's your weekly? Oh goodness, degree? yeah. My weekly geekery is actually thanks to you uh, and why I'm so pumped about Overwatch this summer. Uh, I was I may have been actually driving down the road and I get a text from you about, hey, this is a really long video, but you need to watch it. And it's called The Story of Overwatch. Uh, it's a three part documentary series, interview series. Uh, I, I always call it a documentary when I'm talking to other people that GameSpot did recently of the history of Overwatch and how it used to be a project called Titan at Blizzard uh, that kind of got canned and they took different ideas and turned it into Overwatch itself. Um, I absolutely adored this. Uh, I sat at the breakfast table uh, over the weekend and just just binge watched these uh, these videos, and I am so excited to play Overwatch now. Seeing how a game is made is one of those. I love documentaries about this. So my first weekly geekery was a was a documentary series on YouTube about this, and this one is as well. If you care 
anything at all about Blizzard and how games get made at such a a major studio with so much to lose, watch the story of Overwatch because you get to hear how a lot of projects can go on forever and then get canned but come in turn into something just fantastically different. Um, and I'm going to just I'm, I need to watch it again, and I'm so excited for Overwatch because of it. Like I'm downloading other games that are kind of like Overwatch because I want to play them because I watch those videos. Well, and it's cool because like part one is about how Titan got canceled and they kind of morphed that team into the Overwatch team. And then part two is all about 90s shooters, which I thought was just super fascinating. All these games from when I was younger and they're like, oh, yeah, we pulled from all of those just blatantly. Like, they're uh-huh. like we are huge shooter fans. We're going to take the classes and the parts that we like from every shooter that's ever existed and find a way to put them all into one game. And then part three is them tying it all together into these characters. So it's really like, I think each one is 20 minutes, so you'd be sitting down for an hour, but it's worth your time to watch. It is, and uh, the show notes will have links to part one, two, and three as well, but I sold a guy today uh, at work uh, on playing this because of talking the stuff from part three and how they tied all the heroes together. Like, it's really, really good. So yeah, play Star Fox Zero co-op and uh, watch Overwatch. It's... Fantastic. (laughs) What do you got for our health hack this week? Uh, Our health hack this week is something that I'm going to need you to help me with. Uh, My wife is on it. I need uh, need encouragement coming from all directions for this week's health hack. Uh, This is an experiment for me, just like it is for all of you guys out there. Um, I got lazy, and I stopped running for a week, and I started eating yesterday... Today, actually, well, today was it too. I don't remember. I lost count. I had a son, a double stuff Oreo blast four days in a row. Um, they're delicious That's and a lot of wonderful. Oreo it's a lot of Oreo blasts. And then I had ice cream tonight as well. And so this kind of made me really lethargic and not want to exercise. So I'm going to have to do myself a run streak. Uh, I've the idea of running three to four miles is terrifying right now because I'm so lethargic. I'm so stressed at work. Uh, it's finals week at work and everything is just coming down at a head, but I can give 15 minutes for it. And Jennifer is like, you need to get out. You need to just run. It's going to take you 15 minutes. It'll be fine. You just need to do this. It's going to make you feel better. I started this morning. I ran my one mile and I'm going to do this every single day, at least until after graduation on the seventh and see if I can just get myself moving again, get myself used to getting up up and getting into the routine and i need to do it every day so you're saying shorter runs but every single day short runs but every day this is not a long-term solution for anybody this is not a solution for everybody but if you are wanting to get into something and build a habit do a short version of it every single day you don't run to exhaustion you don't you don't work out until you drop the weights and you can't lift anything else you do just make sure you're in the habit every single day where right now i'm going to try to run for eight days in a row and that is my goal maybe nine and then after that i'm going to hit a schedule again if your thing is lift weight lifting weights if your thing is doing push-ups if your thing is walking whatever it is just go out there set 15 minutes aside and make sure you do it every single day no matter what set yourself up a streak that is going to be both challenging to keep up but also easy to accomplish and you will be so happy. I did this last year. I did a seven-day run streak, took one-day break, and then did a 60-day run streak, where at the end of that, I was able to keep up and run consistently and train like normal after that. It was super fun, um, and I look forward to doing it again. So yeah, do a streak, you guys. 
I like that. It's a good way to kind of jumpstart yourself into it. Sweet, it is. That'll about do it for this week. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with two E's. And I blog sporadically at geekfitness.net. And we see that there's more and more of you every week, which is awesome. Our community has been growing. We're really excited to hear from you guys on Twitter and all these places. So please reach out. And if you have not yet, the thing that you can do to help us get out there and get found by more people go on to iTunes and leave a review. Even if you just give us the stars of the review and you don't want to take the time to type it out, that would help us so much. That's one of the things you can do that helps us more than anything else. To do it in iTunes, you have to act like you've never heard of the podcast. I don't know why they do it this way, but you have to go and search as if you are searching for our podcast for the first time and find the page that way. That's where you leave the review in iTunes for some reason. I don't know. If you guys do that, I will love you forever. Not that I don't already, but seriously, it helps us a lot. I think that's, that's it. true <laughs> for this week. <laughs> uh, we've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye. That was a very nice bye. All right, it is three, two, two, one. one. That was way off. We were way off on the clap. Do it again. Or three, two, two one. one. Nailed it.